Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show right here on voiceamerica.com. Today, we're going to talk about dementia. Nearly 500,000 people are diagnosed with dementia every year, robbing victims of their memory and their ability to plan and communicate and their independence and their personality. This disease takes a terrible toll on them, but also on their caregivers. And as dementia progresses, the caregivers will face the reality of having to make end-of-life decisions for someone who no longer can, and that's really tough, and often caregivers are not prepared. My guest today is Dr. Ann Kenny, who's an MD, and she went through this after 25 years of specializing in the needs of the elderly and end-of-life care. She struggled with agonizing choices when the dementia claimed her mother. Her book is Making Tough Decisions about end-of-life care in dementia, and she shares insights from her personal experience and the benefit of her clinical knowledge to ease the guilt and confusion that compounds the pain of losing a parent or a relative to Alzheimer's disease and any related dementias. So we're going to learn all about that today. Welcome, Dr. Ann Kenny. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Great to have you. Dr. Kenny is an accomplished palliative care physician, geriatric expert, and professor emerita at the University of Connecticut Health Center. So this is a great guidebook, and we're going to help a lot of people today. So the I question so. to you is, because we have so many people diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and it's increasing every year, are we prepared, is our system prepared to handle this chronic, debilitating disease? I, I don't think so. Um, unfortunately, not very many um, physicians are trained in geriatrics. Only a third of medical schools have a geriatric rotation. Mm. Um, neurology is another area that takes care of people with dementia. So there's there's not a lot of um, physician specialty in in the Alzheimer's and related dementias. Um, mm. And just by virtue of the disease, the, neuro, the progressive neurologic uh, decline that occurs um, makes it so that individuals will need more and more care. The average individual who is diagnosed with dementia will require about three caregivers um, wow. before their death. So the, wow. the, the caregiver burden balloons. Um, Unfortunately, we, there is no cure at this time for dementia. There is research ongoing, but um, anything that's found right now is ready. And then the caregivers, um, there's just so many people that need to become caregivers. So a lot of the burden of care, of care will fall on the ind- family members, individuals who are, mm-hmm. who are known to the person living with dementia. It most likely will not be... Um, a lot of the healthcare system per se. And so that, that's part of the reason I wrote the book, to try to give people some perspective on what will be required of them at the end of their family member's life um, and how maybe to modify some of their approach so that um, it, it can be a, a dignified and peaceful death rather than kind of the medicalized uh, version of life and death that, that this country usually follows. 
So I guess the question is because that's that's not that's a tough a tough answer. Is many mm-hmm. people believe that dementia and Alzheimer's simply just make a person forgetful, but there's much more to it than that. So explain exactly what it is and how it affects a patient. Okay, um, when someone is first diagnosed with dementia, it's a it's a very long and chronic disease. Um, in the beginnings, some of the earliest symptoms are things like memory loss or having difficulty maybe with finances. Um, math, mathematics can become difficult. Mm-hmm. So those are the early symptoms, and people can live fairly well with them for, for many, many years, um, six years or so. Uh, and sometimes people aren't even diagnosed during that phase. They've, they're so social and do so well. But as the mm-hmm. disease progresses, it affects everything. It starts to affect your ability to do simple tasks like like banking or shopping, and then mm. it progresses even further so that you're not able to dress yourself or, or toilet yourself. And then finally, you even forget how to walk and how to swallow, mm. um, and you, you begin to just sleep more, lose weight, and... Um, and kind of have an involution, just less and less mm-hmm. uh, interaction with the world. Hmm. So this has got to be so painful for the child, the adult child to watch. My mother had dementia at the end, and it was painful. I was fortunate because she always recognized me till the very end, so that you know gave me some oh, sense good. of yeah of you know of of being recognized. But um, it's very hard to watch. And what's the right approach to begin having conversations with a patient regarding long term care and and all of this, and you know how to how to and how to die? I mean, we hate to use that word, but it's important. Yeah, I, in, I, I think in this country we don't always think about dying, we, and, and death almost seems taboo, um, but it is a natural part of, of everyone's life, and especially once you know you have dementia. You may die of something else sooner because it's such a long and progressive disease, but um, when you know that you have it, having family members open and willing to discuss your choices for you at the end of mm. your life becomes important. Um, and those are difficult conversations to begin. Uh, I usually recommend to family members or to the individuals who have been diagnosed with dementia to start talking about their values because people are okay talking about what, what they value or, or their wishes but aren't as comfortable about about talking directly about death. But I think if you talk about values, what's really important to you? Is mm. comfort more important than um, pain? Is, uh, is living as long as possible the most important thing to you? Mm-hmm. And what would you be willing to withstand to, to do that? Um, mm. And then or in my family, for example, I had all my siblings kind of think about their wishes. And one brother said that if he had any cognitive loss, he'd wish he were gone. And my, another mm. brother who said he would want to live to the end no matter what. And when we all reviewed that, and then we sat down together and said, but what would my mom want? It made it a lot easier for us to see we're all coming from different w- approaches. And, and yes, then we could kind of step into my mom's shoes. Right. But you still couldn't ask your mom those questions. Uh, you know, right. I tried to have several of those conversations earlier in her disease because I knew um, what the end of the disease would look like. And she made it very clear that when she was unable to kind of walk about anymore, she would be ready to limit 
her care. And so at that point, um, when she, when she was starting to lose her ability to walk successfully, we started discontinuing some of the medications that were meant to be life-sustaining or, or life-prolonging, like her blood pressure medicines, her cholesterol medicines, some of the blood thinners that were there for her irregular heartbeat. We stopped those things um, and then we we kept things that made her more comfortable. Um, and then she still lived for quite a bit of time. Um, she had a couple of episodes of pneumonia. We did not send her to the hospital, and we did not treat her with antibiotics. She she rallied from them quite well. But by the third one, she was she was really wearing out. Um, but she had a very quiet and peaceful death. She actually closed her mouth to food and 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 saw all her children able to visit mm-hmm. um, and and really was able to drift away in a gentle way rather than being hospitalized and sent to the ICU and poked and prodded. Um, I think she had the death she wanted. Mm. So one of the things I hear you saying about, you know, what caregivers and family members can do to plan for long-term care is definitely talk to the loved one if you can, but if you can't, talk mm-hmm. to the siblings, Correct. Correct. Get to get everybody on the same page and, and then think, how did my family member live their life? What do we think they would choose? But I think it helps if you acknowledge what you would choose and then see that not everybody chooses the same thing. And that helps to not have people be in different camps and say, we have to do it this way. Or we have to. There's a million ways to do it. Um, and, and that's okay. Yeah. And, and then and ask the, for that and the, from, the documents from the, the healthcare provider. Right? Well, and yes, as you said, yes, the definitely. documents and decision making, the will, all of that is very important. Exactly. So when you have um, dementia, one of the most important documents is your advance, um, your durable power of attorney, someone to make decisions for you when you cannot make decisions for yourself, and you want that be- person to be somebody who agrees with your. Um, Vision. So they may, they, they're going to make a many, many, multiple day to day decisions and you want them to be aligned with what you would do for yourself. And so if you're, my mother would never want, um, my brother who wanted everything to the very end of life to make decisions for her or the one who wanted nothing done earlier than she would have wanted nothing done. She wanted somebody of her middle kids to be more middle of the road with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and she picked, you know, she picked each of us to do different jobs for her. And, and she picked me because I was more in, in line with her on that. I see that too little and too much are both not quite right for you. She's, she's more a middle of the road person mm-hmm. when it came to medical decisions. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we are talking with Dr. Ann Kenny, and she's the author of the brand-new book, Making Tough Decisions About End-of-Life Care in Dementia. She struggled with agonizing choices when dementia claimed her mother, and she, her book is really all about these insights. Dr. Kenny, MD, is an accomplished palliative care physician, geriatric expert, and Professor Emerita at the University of Connecticut Health Center. Stay tuned, folks. Uh, We'll be right back right after the break on voiceamerica.com. I'm Patricia Raskin. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, 
VoiceAmerica.com. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips is an insider's glimpse at a life from a psychological perspective. It's a look at what matters to us. Why do we laugh? How do we cope with stress? Are men and women really that different? What is it about our relationships? How are they formed? How they work out? And why they sometimes don't? Every week is something new to engage you. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll turn up your perspective on life. Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What's your coffee story? The one that defines who you truly are in a relaxing setting. It's where you share your memories, plan for the future, and talk about the now. My favorite coffee story is here with host Aniko Samoji. We invite you to listen in and share your coffee stories too. Bring your friends or just stop by as we talk about coffee and the inspiring stories that touch our lives every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone, and we are back. My guest is Dr. Ann Kenny. And she's the author of the new book, Making Tough Decisions About End-of-Life Care in Dementia. She struggled with agonizing choices when dementia claimed her mother. And Dr. Ann Kenny is an accomplished palliative care physician, geriatric expert, and professor emerita at the University of Connecticut Health Center. Welcome back, Ann. Okay. What is the website for your book? Um, I... I'm at annkennymd.com, and the Johns Hopkins University Press also has the book there. Okay. So let's, let's talk a little bit about the caregiver and all this. Now, I mean, you were there. You know, what you go through, yeah. all the emotions you go through before and during and all the energy you spend, and then the person's gone, and then you have to deal with more emotions afterwards. Talk about that. Yes. Okay. Um, when you first are starting to deal with someone with dementia, um, you, I say you go through the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, the good emotions were so when somebody's living with dementia, you frequently have to kind of slow down and be much more present and in the moment. And for me, that was transformative. To slow down and spend time, quality time with my mom helped me to kind of slow down my career life a little bit and to um, really smell the roses. I I remember for 
I would visit her every day and we watched a robin build a nest, lay eggs, hatch those eggs. Every day I would sit in the same window and watch this bird's nest being created. And I never would have had that opportunity in my busy life with raising small children and having a a full-time job. And so... I, there were so many wonderful things that happened. I really connected with my mom's heart as she was not able to communicate as well. But on other days, I would feel crazed and, and you know, just um, overburdened and overwhelmed. And I always wondered, am I doing too little? Am I doing too much? And could make myself crazy. And then I got to the point where I felt guilty. And I, I actually needed to seeing a therapist, journaling, making sure that I started caring for myself better because I started dropping into a depression, which is not uncommon Mm. for a caregiver. Mm. Depression and anxiety, when you let this all get too overwhelming, Mm. is really common. And so I had to learn to make sure that I looked for joy every day, that I made sure I took some time to meditate every day, and I had to make time to care for myself. It's not uncommon that caregivers ignore their own health, ignore their own exercise, ignore um, little issues that pop up. So taking good care of yourself while you're caring for somebody else is crucial. And usually that means building your network um, of friends and family to help with you, if not paid caregivers, if you can afford that. So really caring for the caregiver or caring for yourself becomes as important as helping to care for the individuals living with dementia. And if I hadn't Mm -hmm. done that, and I think I could have fallen into the trap that many do where um, it's not uncommon. About 50% of caregivers report that they've been incredibly short or yelled or been verbally abusive at a minimum with somebody living with dementia. And so that means if 50% are doing it, that means we're pretty much all at risk for it. Um, and it can get even worse. We could we could come truly physically abusive and um, ex- uh financially exploitive. Um, So it's hard to be a caregiver. It starts to change how you see the world if you don't take care of yourself. So really making a true practice of keeping your own nutrition up as well as the person living with dementia, keeping your own exercise up, all of those things are crucial. Mm, Yeah, very important. And, And as you said, also talk to people. Right. Talk to people about what you're going through. Yes, there's caregiver support groups. Um, I I personally couldn't get to those. I wish I had been able to, but I found a therapist who was fabulous that helped me kind of work through all the emotions I was having till I came out the other end feeling fabulous and that I value being able to live through all those emotions um, and saw the value to each of them. Mm. So, so important. So... What you're doing now, how do you feel that your experience going through this is helping you in your work as a physician now when you work with patients? Oh, it's it's changed um, how people see me. Um, it was one thing when I gave advice or gave, um, gave recommendations. I mean, I'm not sure those have changed as much as now I really understand what the care partner is going through, the person living with dementia, at a much deeper level. And I think 
they see that in my delivery of, of my advice. Um, and probably I'm faster to say, you need to get support. You need to take care. I used to say all the time, you need to take care of yourself. You're your family member's best commodity. But now I actually recommend people go get therapy and start maybe an antidepressant if I see that kind of stress going on. Um, I think I'm more involved in the entire family than I than I used to be because having been the person sitting next to the individual with dementia, um, I realize how quickly you can kind of really lose yourself in it if you don't care for yourself. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, very, very true. Let's talk a little bit about coming to terms with um, the inevitable and the shift to focus from cure to comfort. Let's just, we didn't, we talked about some of that. Let's talk a little bit Mm -hmm. more about it. Okay. So in other Um, words, when is the time is right to focus on that palliative care? Okay. Um, I, well, as a palliative care doctor, I think, it's always the right time to do palliative care. Um, I can, if I have a headache, I definitely take something for it. So I consider that palliative. But that that shift to comfort or that shift to not thinking so much for cure, I think should happen at the in most people in kind of the middle stages, kind of starting that shift over to do you want every treat every treatment for every condition that pops up, or do you I think that's the time to start saying, does this add to the quality of my life? Does this add to the quality mm-hmm. of my family member life? And if it's not adding to the quality of the life, it's time to start seeing if that treatment shouldn't be there or what things other than medicines are adding mm-hmm. to the quality of my life. Mm-hmm. What, you know, making sure that, uh, you know, blankets come out of the dryer all fluffy and get wrapped around you on a cold day is probably much more therapeutic than um, a certain medication. And, uh, you know, bringing a baby in to visit often brings such a light, and, and those things are important. But really at the time when people are starting to lose their ability to speak more, toilet, and walk, it's really the time when you start saying, maybe the hospital is not the right place if something happens like a pneumonia. Most of us can get through a pneumonia even without a hospitalization. And the hospitalizations are so traumatic on individuals living with dementia that uh, you really have to question whether it's worth going to the hospital. We know that from the literature, most of this literature is out of Harvard University, that treatments like antibiotics for urinary tract infections and for pneumonias, hospitalizations, um, forced feeding, those kinds of things are more, are, are more detrimental to people at the end of their life. Their quality of life goes down, and it doesn't necessarily extend the quantity of life. So if, it, if they're harming the quality of life, then they're not worthwhile. And, mm. and there's literature to help us at the end of dementia that some of the things we usually do medically are no longer required. Mm-hmm. All right. So again, that takes somebody who's a specialist in palliative care to work with that person, you know, to really guide Maybe them. Maybe not. I think, I think sometimes family members have to help guide. Um, okay. I think it, again with the with the book, it might be you can kind of look at what's the normal progression of the disease and say, start questioning to the to physicians. Do I need to keep doing this? 
unfortunately, in this country, physicians often think we should do everything, but they're not necessarily um, thinking through the whole picture. And if a family member says, I'm not sure I want to do this, that's a good discussion to have with your physician. Okay. Even All right. Let's, care doc. let's close on this note. Uh, you've talked about some of this. We've talked about the negative and difficult emotions associated with caregiving, but there are wonderful experiences as well. So let's close on the positive side of caregiving. We've got two minutes. Okay. Um, I have to say that taking care of my mother at the end of her life was one of the most transformative times in my life. It, um, I, I say to, to my friends and family, it, it broke my heart open and made me start living much less in my head and much more from my heart. All right, yep. um, you, you're coming in garbled again, so you may have to position yourself oh, where you were before. Okay, go okay. ahead. Okay, sorry. Um, yes, it, it, it was truly a transformation for me when my mom, to, to be with my mom as she died from dementia um, and changed my life to be much more open. And I find that with many, um, when people go through tough times, it's often a transformative experience. And there is such, um, it, much like at, the, at a birth, um, a time of death is a time that makes you really focus on what's important to you and can change your life in a positive way. Um, Absolutely. And so while there is loss, there's also beauty. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Ann Kenny, for being on the program. Thank you. Thank and you again, for having the- me. It was okay. great. The book is Making Tough Decisions About End-of-Life Care and Dementia. And the website again, Anne, is? AnneKennyMD.com. All right. K-E-N-N-Y and A-N-N-E. All right. Thanks so much, Dr. Kenny. Stay on the line for a minute. All right, folks. This wraps up this first interview. We'll be back with another interview right after the break, right here on the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show on VoiceAmerica.com. We'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of The Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.